I understand the importance of the East End, the South Fork, the Hamptons to the county. If you're county executive, look, I, you know, I learned very early on when I became county executive that I'm an up islander. I, I'm from <laughs> Babylon. I, I, get, I get that. Um, but if you're a county executive and don't understand that you have to do everything you can to support uh, the things that are happening on the local level, what local leaders are saying we need, um, you are uh, missing something really significant because uh, this, not only for its beauty, but for our economy, the East End, the South Fork particularly, is critical to the county's future, to the region's future, and you've got to be focused on making sure you're protecting that. This is, from my perspective, it's a threat to the prosperity of this region. Press News Group, I'm Gavin Manu, publisher of the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, Express Magazine, and 27East.com. The Express Sessions are back with a new season of conversations not to be missed. And this is the Sessions Report. The Express Sessions are presented by Rocco Carrero Wealth Partners, a Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisor for 2023 with offices in East Hampton and Southampton. Deciding the right next move in a changing market can be a challenge, but the right financial advice can help you best position your portfolio to take advantage of opportunities and mitigate loss. The professionals at Rocco Carrero Wealth Advisors are committed to understanding your goals and can provide personal financial advice to meet your individual needs. For more information or to set up a consultation, visit RoccoCarrero.com or call 631-283-8482. Welcome back to the Sessions Report. This is our podcast that's uh, a look back at the Express Sessions event that we just held on Thursday, uh, October 26th in Southampton Village, focusing on the issue of traffic and the county's efforts to try and find some innovative solutions. I'm Joe Shaw. I'm the executive editor of the Express News Group. With me is Bill Sutton, who's the managing editor of the Express News Group. Hey, Bill. Hey, Joe. And we, uh, I served as moderator and Bill was our man in the audience. He was our Phil Donahue in the audience, <laughs> running around with the microphone, giving people a I, chance to speak. I like that job, to yes, be honest. It, and this was one where it was easy to find people with stuff to say, because we always talk about the fact that traffic is always a topic of conversation for folks who live on the South Fork. And we thought it, you know, it, it's obviously become a topic of conversation for the government officials too, but we thought it would be a good idea just to have a brainstorming session. And we were fortunate enough to have some really terrific panelists, um, Steve Ballone, who is Suffolk County Executive, Bridget Fleming, who was our Suffolk County Legislator. She's going to be leaving office soon, but she has been serving in the last few years and working really hard, especially on public transportation as part of it. Um, we also had Jay Schneiderman, who's the Southampton Town Supervisor, whose term is also ending. We had Charlie McArdle, who is the town's 
uh, highway superintendent, and he has done some things in the last year or so. He, he was elected, what, um, two years ago, I believe? Yeah, I believe. And uh, he's been doing some things with uh, the traffic, uh, flashing lights and the cones, and we'll, talk, we'll let him explain some of that stuff. And we also had Alex Prigo, who is an assistant um, Suffolk County uh, engineer. Um, he's, I believe, is the assistant engineer, and he's in charge. What, what's his title, Bill? He's the director of traffic engineering and highway permits for the county. Yeah, he's, he's a he's very a no, very knowledgeable guy. Yeah. Traffic um, engineer had, by by trade, yeah. Certainly had done his his homework um, before the sessions event and um, talked a lot about the history of of County Road 39. I mean, that's certainly the the county's focus is is um you know how to get traffic moving on county road 39 being that that's a, a obviously a, a county road and last but not least we also had uh southampton village police chief sue hertow who i thought gave some really insightful uh observations about the role of police in all this and and both she and charlie mcardle talked about the need for more police and that was something that actually was brought up from the audience as well during the conversation. So it was it was a wide-ranging conversation uh, that I, I think really talked a little bit about not just some of the nuts and bolts solutions that may be uh, out there that we can we can look at and they're all challenging but it's also about how the traffic problem fits into a larger set of issues uh, and how it's sort of it it's fed by those issues and it also feeds those issues and that's you know housing it's making it difficult for people to find employers uh, employees um, when they're trying to fill positions um, this was all part of what I think was a pretty wide ranging conversation absolutely yeah and and the audience members had some good ideas I thought too some good so, ideas and and some. Um some really innovative ideas that may or may not um, um, be able to ever be implemented. Yeah. Like, like running the traffic along the, um, the, uh, the Long Island Railroad tracks, which is not a new idea. I mean, we've had officials um, in the past, I think former town board member, Steve Kenny had, had talked about using railroad right away at, at one time. And, and that never came to fruition, but um, an, an interesting idea, and I think one audience member, and I don't have his name in front of me, but he he talked about um, raising the the railroad tracks um, and having the you know the trains be elevated, and and some of the traffic could run underneath it, which um, sounds you know s sounds a little pie in the sky, excuse the the expression, but. Um, um, certainly would would alleviate some of the traffic if if they could find the money to do something like that. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing started, we let Jay Schneiderman sort of kick it off. Jay has had a view of this issue from all different points of view. He's been the East Hampton Town Supervisor, the Southampton Town Supervisor. Um, he served as Suffolk County Legislator, and he was an architect of what's come to be known as the Cops and Cones Program which was an effort that was undertaken by Southampton Town after the U.S. Open back in the aughts. Um, and when the county came in and ran, uh, they, they had police officers and, and traffic cones to sort of make extra lanes at different times of the day 
uh, to try and alleviate traffic during the U.S. Open. That seemed to work. And so Jay actually did help implement a program that tried the same thing for a while in Southampton Town. So he kicked us off. And and interesting enough, it it feels like everybody was in in agreement that with County Road 39, at least, to have some sort of movable barrier that that would turn, you know, three... um, Turn four lanes into three lanes in in each direction. Do I have that right? That would, that there's would turn four the, total lanes. So would just, so it would turn four lanes into into three lanes um, going east in in the morning and three lanes going west in in the afternoon, and it would kind of be movable. Or or course, is that incorporating the the center turning lane? Of, I was going to say we, we you have to remember with County Road 39, there's also a center turning lane, so you actually kind of have five lanes in some of some of the areas there so you have the ability to maybe add that extra lane without taking away a lane going the other way um there's a lot of possibilities but um yeah we we dove into all of that stuff and and jay was really the one that got the whole thing started so i think it's important to understand a little bit how we got here um you know, if you rewind 30 plus 40 years and you find your infrastructure was working and most of your commuting patterns were you know, north-south, south-north. So the workers lived sort of north of the highway and serviced a lot of the estates that were south of the highway. But as you know, property values grew and to some degree we're victims of our own success. We did a, did a great job preserving our rural character. Property values went up. Um, limited supply of land. Suddenly, north of the highway was estates as well. And so the workforce gradually started to push further and further to the west, where to more affordable areas. And the infrastructure, though you have a lot of north-south roads, uh, if you think about it, you don't have a lot of east-west roads. So we had very limited infrastructure to go west to east. And you know this grew to be an increasing problem every year. And as, you know... As our economy grew, and our economy has really prospered, particularly in the, you know, the last decade, um, it got worse and worse and worse. And it's a, it's a tough thing to solve without compromising some of your rural characters, character. So um, you know, we've done limited measures, whether it's increasing train service, or you talked about the cone program, and eventually the additional lane on County Road 39 for most of County Road 39. Um, there's no simple solutions here. There's lots of little solutions. It is a symptom of a very, very strong and powerful economy that is employing a lot of people from all over Long Island. And the answer isn't to weaken the economy. That's certainly not the problem. Um, and people are still coming here. There's no doubt. I don't know if it was Yogi Berra. Maybe he was credited for saying, I think he was talking about a nightclub, and he said, no one goes there anymore. It's, it's too crowded. You know, you, you mentioned police chief Sue Hertow. And um, and I thought it was very interesting that that she talked a lot about. Um, for, I, I think first of all, she said that that County Road 39, um, which is not necessarily in her jurisdiction, that that that's the root of the problem that that has to be fixed. But she also talked about um, measures that the village has taken um, with with limiting um, left hand turns off some of the. Uh, the feeder streets onto onto Hill Street and, and Montauk Highway, um, and and the efforts that, uh, that the village has has had over the last year or two to 
kind of help alleviate some of that traffic, um, good and bad. And she noted that, you know, that um, it's difficult to to enforce that. You can put a sign up that says no left turn. And I, and I think she mentioned that you can have um, some police officers writing tickets for people who have violated that and 20 cars will come behind them as they're writing the ticket and um, and, and make that same illegal turn. The village has had to address this problem sort of on an island. Like, if you've worked with Charlie McArdle, I think, a little bit. You've worked with the town. You've worked with the county. But the village has its own problems. I'm curious if you can talk about what the police's role in coming up with a solution. What is going to be a police department role in this solution? Traffic enforcement. And we need, that, we need to do that. Um, we don't have the resources to do it consecutively every day. I have a dedicated traffic enforcement unit composed of three officers. The other officers that are working, um, I have a patrol sergeant working and two cops, that's it. And that, that patrol sergeant and two cops are serving the rest of the village. Well, our traffic enforcement unit for the past two and a half years have been con concentrating on the western, <clears throat> excuse me, the western end of the village, which 79% of our tickets are written there. And that is not fair to the rest of the residents. And before the village can be fixed, the big problem has to be addressed, and that's County Road 39. And you're limited to do that, but just on resources, right? That's yeah. the point. Yeah. And then you had Bridget Fleming um, talking about um, um, you know, advances in public transportation, um, and, um, um, you know, her kind of, kind of what seemed like her baby was, was getting the, um, the on-demand bus service going, but she also talked about, um, the state's effort and Fred Thiel's effort, oh, Fred Thiel, Assemblyman Fred Thiel was, was in the audience and, and efforts to, uh, to boost up the commuter connection, which, um, a lot of people on the east end are, are utilizing and that's we know the you know the weekday train service that, that runs a couple times each day in, in each direction um, with shuttle buses that, um, that that run riders to um, to to some of the to to the hospital and to some of the school districts and um, you know the high employment areas. So Bridget Fleming in your time uh, as county legislator you focused a lot on public transportation. Mm -hmm. What's the role of public transportation in this solution? We need to fix the traffic problem, but it's it's more of a transportation problem, isn't it? Well, it certainly is a big piece of it, Joe. Thank you. And by the way, I have a cold, not COVID. I took a test this morning. Um, but um, yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, I was just looking in, you know, as, as my team and I, and Michael Iasilli from my team is here with me today, who's done a lot on public transportation. Um, we looked at how we could be most effective in transportation. Public transportation is a big part of it. I mean, if you want less cars on the road, you need to get people out of their cars. And we've known for many, many many years that there's sort of a, a double um, challenge with regard to that. First of all, you have the trade parade. Folks want to come out with their tools. They don't want to join public transportation. Actually, it's a triple threat. The, the second thing being the resources, very challenging to continue to pull public transportation resources. And I really want to thank Fred uh, Thiel, who's helped us so much with the with Carl Hasty, the Speaker of the Assembly, and others, and, and County Executive Ballone. I mean, we really have been slugging away up there trying to get more funding. And we have in bits and pieces, but 
you know, my colleagues on the legislature, I've heard again and again, and I'm happy to have shifted the, the conversation a little bit, but I've heard, you know, public transportation runs at a deficit uh, because it's not like an enterprise zone. You don't pay for it at the fare box, but that's public transportation. Any municipality runs its transportation system just as it runs uh, roadways you pay for it. You know, it does have a cost associated with it. So if you want a robust public transportation system, there will be a cost associated. And I'm grateful to the partners and the folks on the legislature who have slowly but surely increased the funding, but we are still critically underfunded in public transportation. Um, we have made some adjustments in terms of roadways. I mean, like like uh, Jay, I've lived this nightmare over and over. It's a terrible thing. We changed the protocol, for instance, on accidents. Um, even though we don't necessarily want to move towards new lanes, we definitely need shoulders on County Road 39. We don't have them. And when you have an accident, you know, traffic, uh, we've had eight hours. I mean, when Tom Neely was director of transportation and I was on the town board, we had an eight-hour traffic jam. Um, so we changed some of the police protocols so that, for instance, you can call in when there's unfortunately a fatality. You can call that in without having the ME to make it all the way out without any shoulders and other emergency services folks. You know, we've tried to shift the treatment of crime scenes or potential crime scenes if there's an accident. Uh, so we have tried to work with that, and we're looking for funding for engineering solutions. And Alex, um, Bill Hillman, Commissioner Brown, and the folks before him, and of course under the leadership of Steve Ballone, have been very helpful in terms of, for instance, we pulled a quarter million out of the capital budget for a feasibility study for a roundabout in Hampton Bays. Um, even though we're not in Hampton Bays every day, obviously that has a huge impact. County Road 39B, uh, which runs uh, to the east of the canal, you know, and intersects with Montauk Highway, is backed up, you know, terribly, both in the, in the afternoon and in the morning, and we have invested in a feasibility study put a roundabout there. Can we keep the traffic moving? But we always have to balance public safety and pedestrian safety. Um, you know, we've had bike fatalities. It's a dangerous place out there, our roadways, with, with moving the traffic. So one way to do it is public transportation. Fred's incredible, tenacious advocacy on the South Fork commuter connection has really paid off. Um, and And we've also done some innovative things on the on the public transportation level. I'm happy to talk about that more. This is we'll just an back, intro, yeah. but certainly the on-demand pilot that's running now is going to be expanded. And we really do hope to convince folks that you don't have to take the bus only because you have no other option, which is what I observed when I've been taking the bus, um, but that it's really a good system that's reliable. So that's what we continue to work on, and it's critically important that that's funded and that there continues to be a commitment to public transportation. The Express Sessions are supported by Adam Miller Group, a leading real estate law firm in the Hamptons, specializing in representing and advising clients on acquisitions, sales, leasing, and every aspect of zoning of residential and commercial real estate. Partners Adam Miller and Denise Shearn are known for being highly responsive and solutions-oriented. The firm has had offices in Bridgehampton since 2007 and also has a presence in South Florida. Knowledge of the law, fastidious execution, key relationships, and personal dedication are the cornerstones of the practice. 
visit adammillergroup.com or call 631-537-1155 to connect today. And I can say County Road 39 was a big part of the conversation, as it should be. And, and, and really, the county, Steve Ballone was there, this, the sub-county executive Steve Ballone. And, and this whole thing began with Steve Ballone coming out in August and having a press conference asking. He said the county was going to solicit innovative ideas for dealing with the traffic problem. Well, inherent in that is that it would address County Road 39 because that's sort of the centerpiece of where the county can do something about the traffic problems. And he said they have gotten four proposals um, that they haven't begun to examine yet, but that's something that they will examine. So they, they're getting a response. But I was intrigued, um, Alex Prego, who, who is the assistant um, chief engineer for the county, um, he talked about the fact that there was a proposal just recently to deal with County Road 39 and to add uh, sidewalks and also to expand. Um, I think he and Bridget talked about that a little bit. Um, that's something that actually was pulled off the table because people reacted badly to the idea of doing that work and, and probably having to suspend traffic there while that work was going on in the summertime. Alex Prego, I, I want to talk about... One of the things that everybody feels like is a solution to the problem is simply to build more roads, more lanes, add lanes to County Road 39, add lanes to Montauk Highway. Why is that not a solution? It's a a great question. Uh, The best answer to that is if you build it, they will come. Um, That's the best answer on that. That's true from the traffic engineering and from the planning perspective. Uh, For example, we finished that uh, extra second eastbound lane on Kenner 39 back in 2008. You fast forward to about 2016, 2017, it's as if we almost didn't build that lane. So uh, people changed their hours, more people came out, additional uh, demand, and that's the other side of it, demand. It's capacity and demand. Those two things work together. It's not just about capacity. We'll come back. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a chance to answer. But. So that's where, where that comes in. If you build it, they will come. Uh, that doesn't mean we don't do spot improvements. That doesn't mean that we can't fundamentally change how we operate the roadways. But just additional lane here and there, just it, it only lasts about a decade. And that's, that's a standard traffic engineering uh, rule, right? That when you add a lane... It takes about eight years or so before it fills up with traffic. That's correct. That's, that's the new way of looking at things because previously it was just build, build, build back in the 70s and 80s. But as you fast forward into the modern era, when you look back, it really doesn't serve that purpose any longer. You know, speaking of County Road 39, I, I think um, Charlie McCardle, who, who has, he's the high, town's highway superintendent, he's had some great successes um, at the Canoe Place Road and Montauk Highway intersection in, in Hampton Bays um, by by having a, a blinking light there. I think it's just during the morning commute and and feeding um, traffic off Canoe Place Road into and, and traffic coming eastbound on Montauk Highway into two separate lanes with, with a bunch of cones um, to keep traffic moving in an easterly direction. And, and I think that... Um, that he's had some great success with that, but he also um, showed a, a little. Um, he, he was a little upset 
they had um, he had proposed doing similar um, a, a similar blinking light program at, at certain intersections on County Road 39, and they had kind of gone back and forth with it um, with with the county and the town. And what they ended up doing is they did a one week um, test period last year to see what the effect would be. <laughs> Excuse me, and and Charlie had said that um, he still hasn't seen. The results from that, I think the county, the county and, and Jay Schneiderman had come back and said that they didn't feel it was very effective. Um, Charlie kind of disagreed with that and um, and and would, I think, still like to uh, to give that a go. The problem with, with that is if you do that on a county road instead of state Montauk Highway, then you need to have police officers there um, monitoring uh, traffic at the time. It's a it's a county rule um and and i think that um that that therein lies the rub um you know the town would have to pay a, a lot of money for those police officers and i think that um that kind of got in the way of that program charlie mcardle you have tried some things in the last year or two what's worked um, when when you've been out there in the field and looking at some of the things you've attempted to try and address this on an individual basis, looking at troublesome intersections, what are some of the things that you think have been really successful? So uh, I just want to say that I can look around in this room and it's probably a, a hundred years of elected officials. And I'm very proud to say that in the first six months, the new administration for the highway department took initiatives active initiatives to do something about the traffic. We blinked the lights, we, we perfected the cones, uh, and by the way, this is just in the morning. Now, th this pilot program was last October. It's to my knowledge, it's a year later, we still have no official results if it worked or didn't work. So all I can base it on is people driving by, waving to me, thanking me. <laughs> I go out at night, I'm like the, uh, the cone master for some reason. You, I don't know if you could be a rock star with cones, but that's how the highway department is. And we've, we've created these lights, blinking these lights, and it worked. Uh, and unless there's data to prove it didn't, I'm going to say that's the way to go. The Southampton Town Police Department just reached the levels that it was 20 years ago. I left 20 years ago. They had 106 police officers. They just went back to 106. And if anybody in this room can tell me that the East End hasn't changed dramatically in 20 years, we need more police officers to be at these blinking lights to continue these programs. And by the way, nobody addresses the afternoon. The afternoon is worse than the morning. Mm -hmm. You can't get west of the East End from 2 to 7 o'clock. And I guess elected officials feel that's on your own time, so it's not that important. I think it is important. We have permits in place to do the morning blinking lights and the afternoon blinking lights, and I suggest we try it. Thank you. The Express Sessions are supported by Advantage Title, a leading provider of residential and commercial title service on the east end of Long Island, throughout New York and nationwide. With an expertise in land use and five in-house counsel, they're known for seamless transactions. Since 1987, hands-on management, state-of-the-art technology, underwriter relationships, and a commitment to being the best have set Advantage Title apart. Visit AdvantageTitle.com or contact Executive Vice President Chris Nuzzi at cnuzzi at AdvantageTitle.com to discuss your title needs today. 
So the whole point of Express Sessions events is to bring people together with these panels. And we have the experts on the panels who have a lot to say and, and we have a lot to ask them. But the audience is a big part of this too. And, and this was an, an Express Sessions event where the people came to ask questions, but they also came to make points and to offer suggestions. And there were a handful of people who I thought provided some real interesting context for the conversation. Some people who had some pretty interesting ideas for ways to address the problem. Some of them workable, some of them maybe more ambitious than others. But um, someone made a point, a comment to me um, later, and I think it was after the event was over, uh, saying, uh, when people throw out ideas like this, the ideas themselves aren't necessarily what's valuable. It sparks other ideas. And mm. it, it's not necessarily that you're going to find the solution from that person's comments at the meeting, but it why not throw this is what brainstorming is you throw ideas out and maybe it sparks another idea down the line that's based on on that idea so a lot of people had what i think were some pretty insightful observations and some pretty interesting suggestions my name is bill kent i'm a resident of shinnecock hills and frequent county road 39 and and so on and the thing that i observe is on a lot of the side roads you talked about limited access and that's really not practical but i, I see a lot of the side roads uh for example uh tuckahoe road at the carvel and and other roads uh hill station road i see people making left turns and, and it's just not safe. And then you end up with an accident and, and the, the world stops. And it, it really would be a simple matter to uh, enforce uh, or at least put up a sign, uh, no left turn there. Uh, you know, at the gas station at Hill Station Road, there is a viable way to get on. You can take the service road up and pick up uh, Sunrise in the other direction. So it's not like you're putting a burden on the, on the residents if you want to go westbound. Uh, another comment is uh, someone talked about put, creating a traffic circle east of the canal because of the traffic there. Most of that traffic are really people that are trying to take a shortcut. The, most of the that road up there really is very limited, and, and the population there is limited. What you have is people going westbound, and instead of taking sunrise and getting hit with with the slowdown, which is problematic, believe me. But what happens is people, instead of doing that, then decide to take that road and then come into Hampton Bays and burden Hampton Bays with even more traffic. So I, I, to me, the, the idea of creating a traffic circle just east of, of, uh, of the canal there is really feeding on people that are, are not willing to wait their turn in, in line. Hi, Michael Iasilli. Um, you know, uh, so what, what, what some of the things that I'm hearing is that, you know, there are a lot of things that we need to be doing while this RFP is in process. It's going to be a process. It's going to be sort of long term. And I commend the highway superintendent for looking at the roads uh, and putting forth some solutions uh, that ease the congestion. Uh, as Chief Hartow mentioned, that there are other, uh, you know, roads in the in the town that we need to be looking at. It's not just congestion. It's 
also speeding traffic. Um, and you know, we find these things out by talking to constituents. So I think it's really important that the town focus on creating a task force to hear from residents so we could identify other problem corridors where we should maybe be employing some of these short-term solutions that Charlie McArdle has been successful with in the meantime while we move forward with this RFP. Jay Fitzpatrick, I live on Elm Street, and um, I have an innovative uh, idea. Uh, and if we took the, um, this is going to shock a lot of people, but if we took the Long Island Railroad corridor and we elevated the train to, and changed it to electric from diesel, which according to the World Health Association is the worst a breathing thing for your lungs, diesel, for locomotives, if we change it to electric or if we change it to a, a maglev, which is the magnetic propulsion, we could raise it and we could build a highway underneath it into this corridor that exists. It's already there. We don't have to build a new highway up on the north end of the island or we don't have to add lanes to County Road 39. It's there. My name is Patrice Dalton, and I live in East Hampton. And actually, we do have two facilities like that on Springs Fireplace Road where trucks are parked. Um, there's a lot of issues around that in terms of the use of, of a, a fragile space. My name is Ralph Shank. Um, I owned a business for 39 years that worked from Mauritius to Montauk, so I've traveled these roads quite extensively. I've been on the back roads, the main roads, and everything. Um, I, I, I do want to say that two of my thoughts have been addressed already. Um, one, I strongly believe that adding more infrastructure is not the answer. We're already too crowded. Um, and if you build it, more people will drive on it. And it's just going to add to the problem. It might take a few years to build, but it will build, and we will just have more people and more traffic. Because it's not just County Road 39. I had customers in Bridgehampton that would tell me, I told my guests if they're going to come out, they have to get to the train station in Bridgehampton by 11 o'clock because after 12, I can't get across Montauk Highway. So it's not just County Road 39. It's overcrowding. Um, I also agree very strongly with the idea of um, taking that second or additional lane and, you know, have it go one way in the morning and have it go the other way in the afternoon. I mean, that seems to be the simplest, and, and it's going to add, it has to add help to that afternoon traffic problem. I'm Jim Sanis. I live on Hill Street. Um, I, I wanted to come back to the tolling idea because I do think there's something there, but I think you're going backwards. A, a couple dollar toll is not going to stop somebody who's making tens of thousands of dollars on a job in East Hampton from driving their truck there. But if you offer them something special, which is going faster, it will. And if, I, I don't know if you've ever driven from Miami, for example, to Fort, Fort Lauderdale, but there are lanes. They're not HOV lanes. You can go in there with one car. 
but it's a variable toll. If you want, at, at certain times of night, it's 25 cents to go in that late. Other times, the electronic signs say it's 75 cents or $1.50, and they have metering on the, that lane. And as the traffic goes up, the toll goes up, hmm. and you can go faster. And so you can get into those left lanes, if you, and if you've got the money, you can go pay $5, and you can go 65 miles an hour, and everybody else is going 35 miles an hour. Hmm. If you gave those trade parade people a lane, and there's land... I, 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 I've actually walked up along the railroad tracks. There's land actually to build from 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 where the Lobster Inn is along the railroad right away, with only condemning four or five houses. I looked at it in satellite map that would get you to to the to the college property. The college property is a mess anyway. You put an intersection there, right there for the hospital, and then go under between the two two golf courses with a sort of a tunnel type of thing like they have in Queens. You end up in Sandy Hollow, and if you said for four dollars that you can get on that lane and you can be in Sandy Hollow in three minutes from the Lobster Inn, how many how many trade parade people would pay that four dollars? Every one idea. of them, and you could you could privatize that road. It would be built. It, I'm not saying it's not going to cost money. It's going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars probably with the condemnation. But now you're not looking for money. You're looking for Mike Bloomberg or somebody to throw some money at a project that's going to make him money mm -hmm. because there's plenty of roads being built in this country right now by private funding. The Dulles Toll Road from Washington, D.C. to Dulles was built with private money. And if you pay, the, the private money is repaid by those tolls. And you could build that road. It would cost nobody here anything, and it would really We're work. We're looking for innovative that's ideas. That's an innovative idea. So I'm Chase Malia. I'm the president of the Teachers Association of Sag Harbor, and I'm in uh, communication with a lot of the teachers associations out on the East End. I live in East Mariches, so I've been making the commute out to Sag Harbor since 2009. And so I have a good idea of what's worked and what hasn't. I have a good idea of which blinking lights. I could tell you exactly how many minutes they take off my commute. I have ways of getting to school. When it's an hour and 50 minutes on the highway, I can get to school in an hour and seven minutes. I tell you which roads to take, which ones work, which ones don't. I just feel like there's not enough communication between the, the decision makers. And, and a lot of these decision makers have done a fantastic job. I mean, the Canoe Place Road blinking light program takes 25 minutes off my commute from East Mariches. Um, the, the commuter train takes 40 minutes off my commute from East Mariches. So fantastic work by our politicians. But more communication between our politicians and you know, the commuters that, that kind of do this every day, I, I think there's some, some opportunity there. And Chase, um, this has an impact on the schools, right? It's a tremendous impact on our schools. Uh, in Sag Harbor, we're having a lot of trouble not only recruiting new teachers, because there's a tax cap. And so teacher salaries in Suffolk County have grown at 1.2% on average over the last five years, um, even less so before that. There's a, there's a cap. Schools can't just pay teachers more money with the tax cap without piercing the cap. So they don't have that opportunity to attract people in that way. Um, and so there's, there's an attraction problem. We were dealing with 50-year lows in morale in the teaching profession because of other factors. And then when you add those issues on top of each other, um, you know, it, 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 it is a problem. We're having a problem with retention. Teachers get tenure, and then they want to leave to go work closer to home. Um, so it's not just the commuters. It's not the trade parade versus the locals. The locals are being hurt by some of these situations, the solutions not coming to bear in terms of their children. Their, their children are, are affected by this in, in a major, major way.
Brett Simon from Hampton Bays. Um, there have been multiple discussions about data, lack of data, lack of defining endpoints and so forth. And that seems to me to be an important prerequisite for doing anything rational, for having any ability to be nimble in making decisions, trying experiments and so forth. So it seems to me there ought to be standard data collection that can be automated and maintained um, on the one hand for the trouble spots. But secondly, here's the innovation part. You know, I need to be out in East Hampton a couple times a week by 9.30 or so. And I sit there at breakfast looking at Google Maps, waiting for the commute time to drop below 55 minutes, at which point I get in my car, and it's always right. There's an incredible wealth of information between Google Maps and Waves and their databases, and it seems to me to be possible to set up a, a, a set of data collections looking at a multiple of routes and endpoints that'll give you throughput, that'll give you end-to-end -end commute data as opposed to throughput data, which could be deceiving. As you said, throughput didn't change, but people think, think their commute is better. So um, my suggestion is that you try to get together with some of these technologies, come up with a set of data collections that can be very high resolution, um, much more broadly based than simple getting through the light or getting to Tuckahoe Road end-to-end -end commuting time data, and I'm sure you could go and get it available back before, before and after your interventions and so forth, but you need the ability to do these fantastic interventions, know whether or not they work, and then move forward or build or, or, or work on them. One thing was very clear from, from, um, from the discussion, Joe, is, is there's going to be, just like when we talk about other you know, big issues like housing, there's not going to be one answer um, to the traffic problem, and it's it's going to take um, it's going to take everybody working together, county, county, state, um, town, the the two town governments, um, to 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 work together uh, and try to find incremental solutions here and there that just make things easier. If you're identifying individual um, um, intersections where maybe a roundabout would work or different intersections where maybe the blinking light program would work. Everything you can do, um, even in small measures, to address the greater issue uh, certainly helps. I don't, I don't know that we got any closer to solutions, but I'm glad we had the conversation. And I feel like it was worthwhile and it demonstrates that when you get a bunch of people in a room together and the whole goal is to try and work together to come up with some ideas. I, I feel like a lot of information flowed at that, at that session. Absolutely, it was a good conversation. The planning process, as much as the engineering is important and the design is important, it is the interaction with the community <coughs> through the process, starting with the community. If you're not starting with the community and local leaders, then you are failed. So the county has to be, this is, this is a partnership and it's a partnership between different levels of government and the community. Because if you end up with a great plan at the end of the day that nobody in the community is gonna support because they weren't involved in the process and they don't understand the, you know, the, the changes and the nuances that occurred along the way to get you to that end, then it's been all for naught. Thank you for listening. The Express Sessions and the Sessions Report are presented by Rocco Carrero Wealth Partners. Our session partners are the Adam Miller Group and Advantage Title, with additional support from Sabro Capital, Geek Hampton, 
Dayton Ritz and Osborne Insurance, and Greenberg Trowerick. A special thanks to our media partner, WLIWFM. We will see you next time at Express Sessions for another conversation not to be missed.